0: Hello, and welcome to Who Books That with Harrison Greenbaum. My name is Harrison Greenbaum. I am uh, your host for this evening. And uh, this is brought to you by the International Brotherhood of Magicians. Uh, if you'd like to join uh, their wonderful organization, uh, just check out uh, magician.org slash join the IBM slash uh, join. We've had a hell of a... a, a- last couple of weeks, Matt King, Lance Burton as, as a special guest. Uh, we've had Caleb and Ginger, we've had Chin uh, Lim, and uh, today uh, we have just as much of a treat. Um, I think in, in, this quarantine would not have been the same without uh, this man. Uh, there's somebody late at night when I have terrible evil thoughts that I I, I turn to first and text those <laughs> evil thoughts to, and his name is Chris Kenner. Um, he is uh, the publisher of many classic books, the inventor of many classic tricks, including Sybil and Three Fly. He is uh, the man behind the man. He's the executive producer for David Copperfield for over 20 years. He's a good friend, and I am thrilled to have him with us. Make some noise. Get excited for Chris Kenner, everybody. How you doing?
1: Great. How are you?
0: I'm great. We have uh, somebody already asking me if I do laundry because I'm wearing the same shirt that I have in all the episodes.
1: Oh, my God. That's great.
0: Uh, Clark has said, Chris Kenner rocks. I know, Clark. And Katie asked for uh, an email notification about those evil thoughts. So that That is in the works.
1: Oh, yeah, we will. Oh, yeah, you don't want to read those.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think it's that fun. goes. I, think <laughs> uh, and I love that you're coming to us from the Death Star. That's incredible. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I just, yeah, we just shot down the Millennium Falcon. That is, that is awesome. Uh, well, this is my basement office. That is, this is mine. And all I have is a couple of uh, LPs where every time somebody does something bad, I have to take them down. So there's oh, Woody Allen oh, and Bill Cosby that have been uh, retired. Oh, Lord. Yes. Yes. Uh, so I do a lot of research about everybody before I bring them on. And uh, I, I, I haven't found as much information about you as everybody else. But I did find this, this book.
1: Oh, yeah. The new and one. The new one.
0: Yes. Yes, and I don't know who designed it, but somebody made it upside down. It's very weird. Very and, weird. Uh, <laughs> also, it was signed. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I designed all of those, every one of those book plates. How little care goes into those signatures?
1: Uh, very little. It's just, <laughs> it's it's like you get a stack and you start it, and the next thing you know, you're like, oh, geez, what's going on here? Oh, my God. You know, we, we used to do autograph lines with David, and it's a very specific way. Did who? With David Copperfield. Oh, oh. Well, oh. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. It was some random thing to do. Okay. So, what would happen would be you know, there's a really a, a rhythm you have to keep the line going. So, David would take the picture from one person, sign it as they held it in the perfect angle, and the next person is grabbing it at the right spot to take it away. And it was kind of an art form. And, you know, I like, love doing it, it was fun to do. And now when he signs a bunch of stuff really quick, like when we do a museum tour, he has to sign eight pictures. It's kind of fun to like, we have them in a stack. I know exactly how to take the picture off so he can rapidly sign it. And it's, it's just an interesting thing to watch. That's me,
0: there you go. That's you, yeah. <laughs> I just me. thought we would uh, start from the beginning. You little baby. Yes, uh, but uh, has, has there ever been a time you've had to sign for David? Not really, I mean, you know. <laughs> <laughs> we can't,
1: we we can't be like going around and like just signing pictures. But that's
0: fair. That's fair.
1: There are times, you know, there are times when you have to say no, which is a drag. Like if, if they kind of almost don't. believe. There'll be time where, let's say that the show ends, nine thirty show, and David's going to run out, go eat, go to a movie, do whatever he's going to do, and somebody will come up and say, "Hey, can you please run this backstage?" And it could be like three minutes after the show, and to make a movie, David might have just gotten right off stage and walked into a car, so. You just have to say no, you know, it's kind of a drag,
0: but. Has anybody asked for something weird to be signed? Has there been like very weird requests?
1: Oh my God. Sure. I just can't think of
0: them right now, That's um,
1: but they're well, weird stuff. We oh, get of imagine. That People from prison would write, you know, women from prison, <laughs> so, you name it.
0: Yeah. I signed somebody's chest and it was a male, so less exciting, but yeah. uh, I did get to do it. So that was, that was a fun. I signed a lady's cane in Boca Raton, Florida. That was my favorite signing.
1: Why did she ask you to sign the cane?
0: Because it was Boca Raton, Florida. So she was the youngest person there.
1: I, I'm, I'm not sure if, he, if we had it. I think we have it. Uh, we have a samurai sword that's signed by Randy Jackson. David loves the movie Step Brothers. So oh, nice. I, but I can't remember if if we – I know we have the sword. Um, because Josh J. had a connection with Randy Jackson. So he was going to get it signed for us. I can't remember if he did or not. I, I, I have to think about the check, – check into that. <laughs> well, I, found
0: in, I found in the prelude there's something that I wanted to read out loud which is uh, this is from 1992 uh, um, I make my living performing magic I perform regularly at illusions restaurant in Carmel Indiana for the past four years I've been fortunate to be able to perform close-up as well as stand-up magic six nights a week this has given me a great opportunity to develop my own personal style of performing sharpen my skills and polish new material can you walk us back to that Chris Kenner working in Carmel, Indiana, and what that was like.
1: Yeah, that's a real polite way to say that's a place I could be bad. I mean, <laughs> you know,
0: and by I the way, for those are curious what he looked like at that time, this is, uh, this is a little further back. And then that's, I, I that's,
1: think that's, that's I mean. yeah, that is the heart room, I think. That was called the heart room. And I even look good then. I mean, I look stylish then. Like that fits now. I could wear that today. And that's 1980 something. Uh,
0: I the pants are a little, there's a lot of perm action going on in this photo.
1: Oh yeah. Everybody is perm action. Yeah. Those pants are probably too baggy. Like I would be straight <laughs> now. Uh, so yeah, you know, illusions was a great place to, you know, I'll tell you what, I have a great illusion story from the first day I went there. So I show up at illusions and I'm, I kind of think, and yeah, you know, I hate to say this, but you know, you kind of think, oh, I'm this hotshot closeup guy. And I hadn't really performed for people much, just magicians. I did tons of stuff for magicians and lectured and done things, and that's why they hired me because they knew my name from that. And I get there and I meet this guy. We had uh, we were sharing a little condo, and the other guy that was performing, his name was Dan Dagger. Never heard of him. Um, and I'm all like, ha, 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 "What do you do?" <laughs> and he shows me this set of stuff, and I, and it's not. Like a bunch of original stuff, or it's not a bunch of stuff I'd never seen. And it wasn't sloppy or anything. He did it all real well. But I just, it wasn't, I just was so into myself, I guess, that I didn't, wasn't so impressed. So then I show him my stuff that I'm going to do, thinking he's going to be like, oh my God, that's fooled me. You know, kind (laughs) of get that there. And deep down, I know he's saying, I can't wait till this guy does this for people. Probably. So that night, I go do the first table ever at Illusions, and it's okay. You know, it's all right. And then I watch him do a table. I hear him do a table from the, in the bar. I hear this laughter and all this stuff. I'm like, what's going on out there? Holy cow. Same guy doing the same tricks. So I'm, hmm. So I do another table. It works okay. I watch this other, he do. does another table. Loud. they're crying. He's walking in with a 20, putting his pocket. And I'm like, Jesus, what's going on? That is family? What's <laughs> family? <laughs> relatives are all here tonight. It's his birthday. Um,
0: so then I asked him, what's the like, saddest oh, birthday that could possibly be? If you're like, I'm going to perform close up magic for the restaurant for my birthday. Exactly.
1: <laughs> I'm going to bring all my birthday friends. So I, then I, 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 watched him and he did the same tricks, but people loved him. He was like the guy next door that was funny and fun. Um, laughed at himself. He just was really great. And I kind of changed every everything I thought about it from that moment forward. I'm like, hmm. And I very quickly changed all the tricks I did. Mm. I used to do a lot of tricks that revolved about the doing them on the table. And I was looking down and you know, I very quickly came up to performing
0: higher and doing things close-up wise. And right. that's now, for some reason people don't like staring at a magician's crotch for a long time.
1: Yeah, I don't know why. I don't know why. Um, and that's that's kind of how that was the first couple of days. And then I we they had a in, in the Lounge is like a comedy club, a small comedy club. So that was a fun place to go perform. And I basically just took the smaller things I didn't did them more pronounced, did them louder.
0: I, and I was it was in a magic themed place because it was called Illusions. Was it? Yes, it?
1: magic themed place.
0: Wow. Um so and, you don't have to sell them on magic. You get to walk in there and go, I should be one of your magicians.
1: Right. Well, they have they and I actually I got there and it was from a chance meeting in an elevator. And also I wouldn't be where I'm at now with David if I didn't take that job because I met him through that. So kind of lucky that I did that. And the, the elevator meeting was crazy. I see a guy in the elevator. The elevator is a magic convention. The door is opening. There's a guy in there. And i, and I do not not a huge fan
0: of the guy. So, I'm just picturing an elevator, fat people, all black, fedora, weird mustache, all, all of them.
1: With a bolo tie with a yeah. scorpion in it.
0: Yeah, one of them has polka dots, and everybody's tie has playing cards on it.
1: And there's at least
0: three Hawaiian shirts. <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't understand. Only Paul Kozak should be able to get away with that.
1: Yeah, Paul's Paul can do it every once, right?
0: Finally, Jason uh, England just said, "Hey, fatty," so it's already started.
1: Oh, he! Oh, god! He knows that, <laughs> that's the worst. That's the worst thing that ever happened to me in my life. That "Hey, fatty" joke. Um, <laughs> know, I'll tell you that later, and away from all this. Remind me. <laughs> um, where was I at? You're talking about the elevator. Oh, the elevator! So the elevator—I don't think the elevator. i fatty. I'm of this guy, so I go in anyway, and then there's another person standing like in the corner, hidden that I, I knew but didn't know. Carl Andrews is his name, and and he goes, "Hey, Chris! Oh my gosh! You know, you want to come and work for a week in Indiana? at illusions. I run the restaurant. I, I hire the magicians, and I'm like, mm, when? He's like, mm, like three weeks or some. Was short. It was a very short time, and I was just—I just said sure. That's it. And I was there three weeks later. And the owner, Pat Baker, asked me to stay. So I got there and during that week he said, hey, can you stay, can you just stay? So I did, I stayed. And I never left until I met David. Then I met David and basically left almost immediately.
0: And then is the next move right to Las Vegas from that point?
1: I didn't have a, I didn't live anywhere for a while because there was, you didn't need to. Mm. You know, on the road like we were, we were on the road a lot. So, you know, you get maybe a two week break, a two two week break at one time. So you just go anywhere you want and stay at a hotel because you can't spend your money on the road. You just can't. Now it's a lot easier because you, I couldn't, you know, in 1991, 92, you couldn't go on on Amazon and buy something. (laughs) You're really not doing that. You're going, you're on the road. So it's. Yeah, my first big tour in Australia. I love the road. I'm not 100% sure I could do it again, but (laughs) we talk about it a lot. We talk about it. And it's definitely not out of the, the thought process.
0: Yeah, it'd be hard to ship all those helmets to every every city.
1: Oh, oh, these I
0: know. <laughs>
1: and our office, you know, and and our office. It's interesting when you when people come back, not backstage, backstage, but when people see a all the, they see the show. And they, when we were on the road, whatever they saw, we could move from one city to another. So that was that's a task. And now the show's really got some big props in it. So.
0: And also like you're obviously a huge fan of movies. I know David's oh. also a good fan of movies. But you did you want to be a filmmaker before you wanted to be a magician? Absolutely.
1: I always have been, still want to. <laughs> it's still a, like a thing I always talk about, think about, you know, I fiddle around with scripts, write treatments all the time. It's more 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 fun uh, than
0: magic tricks, for sure.
1: Magic's are kind of easy in a way. <laughs>
0: I if it's a grass is greener though right is do you think if you were in the middle of movies like God, i just want to do a card trick
1: yeah maybe well the good news well the thing with me that i'm very lucky in the way that i can practice and practice and practice and do what i want to do for i don't have to make money from the card tricks or from pre- performing a magic trick or selling a magic trick so i'm in a good spot so i can i'm very free to do what i want so you know that's a that's a good thing
0: i guess and do you think that underlies your creative process? Do you think there's a sort of a movie making approach to your magic? Oh,
1: absolutely. You know, i tell you what, I always some very often I'll take anything you do, whether it's, uh, and, and it, Chase Goforth, come make a movie, Chris. Chase oh. is one of my favorite people on the planet. He has made some fantastic movies. He made a movie called 25K
0: and I hope it costs 25k to make, otherwise, that feels like inappropriate advertising.
1: It did not. It probably cost way less. And, oh wow. And Penn Penn showed it. Pen Gillette showed it at a movie night. Um he had heard, I don't remember how he we he'd heard I had it, or he heard I was friends with Chase. And I can't remember the reason, but I got it all hooked up and Chase came out to Vegas here and we played it for Penn on his movie night. And it was pretty cool. You know, he he has that movie night where each movie, the next movie. Eight thousand.
0: Yeah, he just turned oh, in with the budget. It was eight thousand six hundred and eleven dollars. You know, it's a, a low budget movie when he can tell you to the dollar exactly what it costs.
1: And they shot. They they like bought or rented some cameras and put them in an auto and shot some of the shots because they were just learning how to use it, like DSLRs. And it's it's and I'll tell you what, some funny lines. It's very memorable. It it's a great little movie. And he just did another movie. It's called Door in the Woods, and that's also great. That's available on iTunes and. 25k is not I think available or that easy to watch but for sure door in the woods is and he's always I'm going to make a movie with that guy someday I can guarantee it yeah back to the my movies and magic and and no matter what it is from a color change to a complicated effect if, if you're doing something if you looked at it like it was a tiny movie like is there a protagonist what's the opening what's this what's the story you know is there an arc in the story and what's your ending even if you did a color change where you're just showing the deck and you have to show up you have to show the card the way you show the card is is it, is it formal is it casual is it all of that adds up deep down inside psychologically to a person so that really matters if you're trying to think things through as a magic trick is being performed so i a lot of times say think of each thing as a tiny movie and if you can think of your whole act as a movie most people can't do that because they do a trick, next trick, next trick, next trick, and it's not There's threaded no It's not, there is no arc. So if you at least looked at each individual piece, you know, as a, as a movie, um, you could, you can, you can make, it just makes it a different thought process. And I'm not saying it's right or wrong. It's just another way to take a look at it. Um, and it could be with anything from, like I said, from a very small, quick thing where you just show a card and it changes, What are you talking about? What's happening? What is the deal? What you know? What is this a thing where you want them to stare at it, or is it more casual? Are you laid back? Your whole body language—everything has something to do with it. And most people don't think that far, but are that deep into it. But you know, now you definitely have plenty of time too.
0: (laughs) Right. Exactly. There are no excuses anymore. Right. Nobody's gonna be able to come out of quarantine and be like, "Man, I've only had more time to practice these slides."
1: Oh, right. Exactly. Or write. People should write.
0: Yes. Well, no do magicians, know. right, though? That's the question. Say again? Uh, we, we were talking about this earlier, but, like, I gave my lecture, the URL Terrible Lecture for Share Magic, in which I try to convince magicians that they should be coming up with ideas, then finding the technique, and basically creating their own effects and being as original as possible. And I think you you have a very similar opinion.
1: I definitely do. And the other thing that I, I, I've done this a few times before, and if I had an idea for an effect that was... Difficult to come up with a method. Let's say uh, you have a stand-up trick, and the method is like, "Hmm, I'm not sure if this is worth it." So instead of spending three years coming up with a method, try the trick once or twice and fake it, like Stooge the trick. If you're going to do a thing with a like, borrowed ring and it appears in, you know, a frozen ice cube that's in a chest, of, you know, whatever the effect you right. want it to be, whatever impo- object to impossible location formula you want, or, or anything, fake it try it, see if it works. And then once you do that, now you know, oh my god, thats it's got these definite natural strong points, it's worth the trouble. And then go into the effort of trying it. I've done that a few times, not a lot, but.
0: Oh no, I do it all the time. I I always sometimes know like, if I had to do this trick in my act every night, there is a very expensive prop that would make me, allow me to accomplish this in a really clever way. But let me try it with the cheapest version and see if it's even worth investing time and energy because I want to make sure the thing is entertaining above all.
1: Yeah, oh, and a trick, and a real yeah. trick.
0: Could ever tell you how I how I used to approach toxic? It was the it was one of the worst uh, <laughs> one of those versions because I so in my act now I do uh, I should not say the name of the trick because there are laymen watching, but it's okay. Um, but I do a trick with a cell phone prediction, uh, and it matches the numbers at the end uh, that, that come in the beginning of my show. But I I was playing with the trick and the idea of looping in a lot of my technology jokes. And I just thought, because you know how like David and a lot of magicians have like my grandfather showed me this trick tricks. Right. So I thought I would set up that my grandfather was a Holocaust survivor and he showed me this trick and the numbers for toxic were tattooed on my arm. Oh. And I did it one time at Monday Night Magic and the audience looked at me like it was the producers, like where they just stunned silence. And I realized this was not the presentation I was looking for
1: yeah, you, you can't walk out and say, give me a 10-digit n- number.
0: <laughs> exactly. you That's what that. I did. I borrowed a cell phone, and I ran around. It's was like, this is such a weird coincidence. And there was just silence. <laughs> but, it you know, it, it would have
1: sucked to have gone through a lot of effort to make that. And then.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If I really got the tattoo, and then I had to just walk around with it.
1: Yeah. and You know, coming up with new stuff, it's not easy. You know, it's not easy. Like I, we were talking earlier that I'm trying to do a show at my house. Yes. And the idea for the show is just to do it, never charge, it's always free, invite only, and I want it to be fun, funny, and have good original stuff in it. And that is a hard combination of things to do. And I'm very rarely satisfied, so it's hard to satisfy myself to think, and I have, I have several things that I, I've played with for years, and I've asked people, hey, you have an idea for this or a method for this, or what do you think of this? And during that, I've had tons of methods, and none of them are right. None of them – mm. n- many of them would work, and immediately I had a method. It just wasn't right. It wasn't going to fool people the right way, and they might have looked at it and said, wow, that's a really interesting presentation and a great idea, hopefully. <laughs> I just think that. Right. But you know, the the effect is just, oh, you know, the effect's good. I knew how it worked. It's the cheesecake thing. You know, I, I just couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I have to, I just have to make it make it right or better.
0: And in, in approaching that that the show at your house, what is the what's your what is the first step? Is there are you outlining the the journey, that movie journey? Yes. Are you looking at first, individual first step, Yeah. The first the
1: first step was kind of why I'm doing it you know, think of what's it, what am I even doing it for? And who would want to watch it or what's the point? And, and I had to kind of think that through is like, and that's a hard one in a way because am I doing it for my magic friends or am I trying to do this for regular people? I kind of would rather do it for regular people. Yes. So unfortunately then the methods don't matter as much, but, uh, I really wanted it to be, I've had two or three different changes very dramatic changes in what the the layout of the whole thing was going to be. But it was definitely had an arc, and it has a a very strong beginning, understanding, middle, and an end. And one of the things that I want to do in there for sure, that no matter how I do it or what I do, is I'm going to do the the close-up show at the spot that I did at Illusions in the 80s. And the reason is I would never do those tricks together the way I
0: did them now. Are you going to do the exact same script? Exact same, I mean, same. Same jokes,
1: same everything. No, not the same pants, but I can still wear that coat.
0: <laughs> you should come up with jokes that are that sound okay had you made them in the 80s, but did not age well.
1: Oh, they are. Like, well, the past. Oh, dude, <laughs> I've got those. There, I have some. And there's interesting, there are jokes that I would have to just leave out because there's things okay. that, you know, I hate to say there's things that you could say in the 80s. There's no way I'd say it now.
0: Oh, I've, I've read the book.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah. Good point. There's definitely, a few, <laughs> there's a few things there that maybe cross a line or two, but you know, you've got to be careful.
0: Um, uh. Somebody actually mentioned, Brian said many years ago, you had a Tommy Wonder esque routine with a water dowsing rod, bar steel, and bucket. Did you ever publish that routine? Is that one of the routines from the 80s that might go in there?
1: Yes, it is, but it won't go, it probably won't go in there, but it is a thing I used to do. Um, I did it in the 90s. That's a night. Nine- That trick was out of necessity. Um, I started performing in David's show in the middle of the show, so when he was doing flying, he did a costume change. So they used to show a movie. So in any of them, like it's not any major markets. I would never do if we went to Chicago or Detroit or the bigger cities. I normally wouldn't do it.
0: Oh, Detroit, the crown jewel of the touring circuit.
1: Oh, it's well, actually, we did great in Detroit. Oh no, it's actually yeah, no, it's a great city. It's and the audience are just amazing. Like we literally would do. We would get there on a Wednesday and it's a longer setup, longer load in because of the venue. Um, so we would do it and do one show on Wednesday, two on Thursday, two on Friday, three on Saturday, three on Sunday, sell them all out. 5,000 seats, just boom.
0: Crazy. Do you know, my first memory of you, I was, I want to say I was 18 or 19. I was in college and a friend of mine said, I have an extra ticket to David Copperfield. And we saw the show and we got to sit there after the whole audience left. Um, and you came out and you said, hi, I was probably very scared. And then somebody started lifting the curtain up and there was everything back there. And you literally were like, shut the effing curtain. And I was like, this guy has a pro. <laughs> and the thing came down real fast. Like like you had a, a magic wand, it just came down. And that was the first time we ever met.
1: Wow, you know, I do not remember that. I have met, I have met so many people that exact way not with the screaming, but I meet <laughs> people after the show, even now I still meet people after the show. And I can bet you that there are, are quite a few people if I, that you've already been up, you know, come up with the, you know, on the thing with their mentions that I have met there. And, you know, I, if I would always try to make time for people if I could. If I could yeah. hang out for a little bit, I would. If I can't, I can't, you know? It's just, it is it is what it is. What in the hell something just felt? Um,
0: yeah. <laughs> you know, in your house, that could literally be anything.
1: Could be anything. Right?
0: I wouldn't put it past you like, oh yeah, my R2D2 is on fire. And you're like, okay, you know what? That oh, yeah. tracks.
1: <laughs> <laughs> hope not. I'd smell that one. It's pretty close.
0: Uh, <laughs> I actually uh there's a comment. This is also streaming now on my Instagram at Harrison Comedy and at Merlin Steve on the Instagram said he wants to know what Chris does to kill time during quarantine. I think you're still working, right?
1: Correct. Well, one of the what we did. So David, David, we would we had a big discussion about what to do whenever this all started. So we did not, we did not um, lay anybody off. Everybody's still working. So we have a giant warehouse. David has a giant warehouse, and there's a museum there, and then we've got all of David's things there. plus it's, it's just it's a really big, kind of complicated, you, know, 40,000 square foot facility. And there's a lot of things that can be done there. So since we can only have 10 people together at once, we have three shifts. And the people work ten at a time. Actually, they work nine at a time, and two people are working from home because they're doing, uh, they're making. Uh, they're, it's our seamstress, and a person's helping her, and they're making some things for the show, for the warehouse, for the museum. She's going to make some masks now. So you know, we're kind of doing a little of everything there. So we, it's twenty-four hours a day. There's someone at the warehouse and on a shift, and it's just it keeps everybody working. You know, we we didn't want to let anybody go or let or lay them off. And it's been good. You know, it's been good. Everybody's good spirits and fun and it's a it's a fun time. So I have to go back and forth quite a bit. You know, I'm I'm, I'm luckily I live two minutes from the warehouse.
0: Oh, that's so fantastic.
1: It's super easy for me to just jump in a car, head down there, you know, do what I gotta do. I usually spend the entire mornings there and then I'll go in and out during the evening and I'm not that there in the super late ones very much, but you know, it's 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 a lot and a lot of stuff's gotten done. I mean a lot of work has gotten done, so it's good. I'm not oh, sure yeah. we're gonna go ba- when we go back to this, back to not having this, it'll be like, you know, the crawl time of getting stuffed on there.
0: Well, I, I I hope the car that you're driving over in is as cool as the collection behind you. Uh, I'd be very disappointed if it's like a Fiat.
1: Yes, I do. It's a Fiat, Fiat 500. It's my <laughs> somebody favorite.
0: Had, somebody said Lamborghini and then somebody, well, he was in reference. I'm trying to find it. Uh, oh, here it is. Rick Howell said, don't you have a funny story about Chris pulling up next to you in a Ferrari?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I'm I going to tell that story. I kind of told <laughs> him. Fair. Kind of i am I'm gonna gave up on that one. But How about a, this.
0: Well we will play a game. I came up with a game for us because we don't want to get in too much trouble. But a task, by the way, is car. a card. It's, it's called compliment or pass. So I will just say the name of a magician oh, and you can either compliment cool. them or wait, you can just pass.
1: Wait, compliment or
0: pass? You, just, you <laughs> can compliment them or you could just pass. So no, you can't get in trouble with this game. Not at all. Okay. Uh, Matt King.
1: Oh. I've known Mac forever. I love Mac. I met Mac. Mac snuck me into comedy clubs when I was a, I was a kid. I was, I think, nineteen or twenty, and he was cut two or two years older than me, I think. And he would he'd he snuck me into some of the comedy clubs. So best ever compliment.
0: All right, uh, Lance Burden.
1: You know, Lance has good hair. <laughs> right. No, I like, past, I like Lance. Lance, you know what? Lance has been super nice to me over the years. I remember having some female problems one time and I just called him up and said, Hey, hey, what are you doing? And I just went and hung out with him. That was when he was like at the hacienda. Oh wow. He
0: was
1: at the Hacienda. And he's always been super nice. So I compliment. Him. Nice.
0: Uh Shin Lim.
1: Shin Lim. Now I'll tell you what, there is a he is fantastic. And he couldn't be a nicer guy. Like, I just I met him when he was young, younger, you know, he's this Oh, have you seen this Shin Lim kid? He had this thing on the table and the smoke. And I saw it, and I didn't necessarily love it because it was too too much going on, I thought. But you knew there was something there with this kid. And his talent is unbelievable. And he's kind of the future. You know, people like him are going to be our future. So, yes, amazing.
0: Uh, Rick Lax. All right. Uh, Chris Angel.
1: You know, he works hard. He's you can't doubt that. You can't deny that. Can't take that away from
0: him. You know, David Copperfield. Who? All right, uh, <laughs> Max Maven. Max
1: is, you know, Max is Max. Uh, now, Mike, Mike Reese, the writer. Oh, of the Mike movie. Reese. Holy cow! One of my favorite people on the planet. Mike Reese is, you know, Mike. Obviously, Mike's yeah. a. He's like the head writer for the Simpsons. One of the funny. Him and his wife are like the greatest two people. He is hysterical. Oh, uh, I just, and he's, uh, he's the best. You can't say enough nice about him. And If you can find anything on him, look up anything he's ever done, written, says, puts online, look at it, it'll be hysterical and very clever.
0: I'm glad you chose compliment and not pass because here on Who Books That? we have surprise guests all the time. Oh and my our surprise guest is Mike Reese, everybody. You
2: must've known I was coming on.
0: I did not. He has literally no idea. He can't see you in the green room. He has no, I didn't give him any warning. Uh, that could have gone horrible. Horrible. <laughs> it's wow.
2: Well, that, was, that is the nicest thing anyone's ever said about me. Thank you so much.
1: Oh, my God. Mike, you're the best. <laughs>
2: and yes, I, I get such a kick out of Chris. You know, we probably spent maybe three hours or four hours together. Not a whole lot of time. But I just I light up when I see the guy. I'm always so happy to see him. I don't know I
1: don't okay. know why. You're always like, you know, and when you sent us those those vacation tapes and those vacation yeah, videos. Yeah. Oh, Mike. We watched oh, them over and you over.
0: those, Chris, by the way. Uh, this is you on the island oh. with Homer, dressed like yeah. a pirate. We'll get back to that. Oh, my gosh. And yeah, there yeah. is, uh, oh, that's Mike. Uh, for those who don't know Mike Reese, by the way, uh, one of the executive producers of The Simpsons, one of the uh, writer for The Simpsons, uh, the, the critic, uh, queer duck, one of the greatest comedy writers of all time. That's him uh, in The Simpsons. His book, Springfield Confidential. Oh, uh, you yeah, absolutely need to buy. It's very good. Uh, that's available on Amazon. Uh, and there's a picture of Mike on the island. <laughs> Beautiful oh.
2: crotch shots. <laughs> oh, my God.
0: <laughs> other Jews next to go.
1: I haven't been on the island with you yet. I need to go next time you go.
2: Absolutely. Yes, we've never been there together.
0: Oh, my God. And here's it's the just... one shot I found of you guys all together.
2: There oh, we go.
0: There you go. If you oh, look
2: wow. close, you can see I don't own an iron. Such a <laughs> that's why I'm necessary. doing the black
0: t-shirts. There's no iron
2: necessary. Yeah. No, I'm very excited that I met the dress code for your show tonight. So
1: <laughs> no, I appreciate- yeah. when we first when I first met Mike, you know, it was like David, it's interesting too. You are you're a great lecturer. You lecture all the time.
2: Yes, I do. Thank you. Yes. And
1: every person that I've ever run into that's ever seen you, like is over the top complimentary. It's unbelievable. Oh
2: my God.
1: Wow. You know, and, and every, you're always just you're always just so funny. And your your opinions of and I, sometimes I hear your opinions through David. You know, he'll just go, oh about this show. Here's what he said about this show or here's what he said. And they're always very smart and interesting and and obviously have this funny thread to them. So that's always great.
2: Uh, oh,
0: and Mike, my you once in a while have written jokes for it, David, right? Yes I have. Let me if I can tell the story. I do I He's probably watching <laughs> I tell it.
2: Um, one day I came home and I had a voicemail and it said, hi, Mike, it's David Copperfield, the magic guy. Give me a call. <laughs> and, and I just thought, well, that's a robo call. I don't know him. I'd seen his show a year before. And I thought it was, I just ignored it. I thought it was a robot call. And uh, then the next day I come home and there's five messages from David <laughs> Copperfield. And I still think this is, you know, it's a robot. So I call back the number just to say, stop bothering me, robot. And it's David. And we have this whole talk. And you come out and you come to Vegas. I need your help. And I go, how do you know me? And he said, You were recommended by Kelly Asbury. And I go, Well, I don't know who that is either. But you don't know Kelly? What? I never met him. I uh, oh,
1: really Kelly's great also. Kelly's another great, he's another great guy.
2: That was it. I had worked on a movie. I'd never met him or talked to him. I worked on an animated movie he made called No Mio and Juliet, which is this heartwarming family film produced by Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> and, but even at the end of the call with David, I got, I'm still thinking, this is probably a prank. Someone's setting me up. And David clearly has been through this before. So he says to me, when you hang up the phone, go on YouTube, look up a clip of me, you'll see it's the same voice. And I, <laughs> And that was it. And then I, uh, you know, David just he needed a couple of jokes. And and I think Chris will agree with me. I gave him some jokes. David's a really funny guy. I don't think people know that. But he's just, you know, his show is funny. But in person, you know, he's just this wise guy from New Jersey. He's very- oh, he's funny.
1: Yeah, he's he's- and he's also very versed and knowledgeable in comedy and in how jokes work. So it's not like he's just grasping at stuff nah. when he when he's just talking normal. It's just hysterical. He's very funny, and uh, he'll send me the. I mean, I'm sure he sends you stuff too, but he'll send me the funniest. Like he didn't just send a meme every day to send a meme, but he sent something. It's definitely funny. Yeah, like it's funny for a reason, or it matches something that we were just talking about.
2: But that was it. So, I mean, I, I had this phone call on like a Thursday. And I think probably Saturday night I'm in Vegas seeing a show. And then I meet Chris. And then we get the big tour of the museum. And that was it. And we've been friends ever since.
1: When, it, every time you're in the audience, I always make I, – I, I always like – I get mad if someone doesn't tell me you're there. So uh, I always know you're there. And I go run because you're always in the same seats. So I go out and I talk to you for at least – the minute i know you're in your seat cuz i can see it in my dressing room i have a tv so i can see that see when people are sitting so i know that seat so i look oh mike's there so i run out and get as much time as i can to talk to you cuz it may not be you know i might have to run off and i won't go to dinner or lunch with you guys or whatever is going to happen so you know it's that's that's a very fun time i love it
2: yes i love it too it's just i don't know and i think part of it may be we're both chris and i you know, Chris is the man behind the man, and I'm like six men behind Chris. <laughs>
0: like oh, a human course. centipede of creativity. <laughs> 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 but that's it. We're all. You know, it's,
1: you know, it's hard. It's, a really, it's interesting. I've heard that term so many times the man behind the man. You know, the interesting thing about, you know, and Mike, you can know, you know this more than anybody, that he, David, is involved in everything.
2: Yeah.
1: Everything. He's involved in. I mean, where we're gonna put the paper supplies at the warehouse. It's like he really kind of likes to be involved. Now, some things he doesn't get as deep in, but when it comes to the show or the the, the writing or the museum, he is so, so hands-on. So it's really like, I get, I'm the helping hand man behind the helping hand. I don't know how to describe it, but it's, a, it's such an interesting dynamic because I don't know anybody else like him. There's nobody else like David.
2: You should watch it. It's a very entertaining documentary. It's on Netflix called Film Worker. It's called Film Worker and it's basically about Stanley Kubrick's Chris Kennedy. It's the guy who was just always there helping out Stanley Kubrick. Any crazy idea Kubrick had at any hour of the day, this guy would make it happen. When Kubrick dropped dead, while making his last movie, this guy just picked up the slack, and that's it. Great man need someone just to help them realize all the ideas in their head, they can do everything they want to do. What's that called?
0: It's called film worker. I like it's how I'm just facilitating a conversation. This is great. <laughs> huh. This is turning. I like it very much. I feel like people are getting a a sort of secret window into a, a conversation. It's fantastic. Yeah. And Mike, you've been keeping That's very true. what we do, Mark.
2: Right? Yes, you're not really needed anymore, Harrison. Wait,
1: well, yeah, <laughs> how do you know Harrison, Mike?
2: Uh, <laughs> I went to see a stand-up show in New York. It was free stand-up, which is right the kind of stand-up. I see. And uh, at the end, I, as I remember, I said, "I, I see the comics after the show." I go, "Oh, you were really funny." He goes you're Mike Reese. And it's like, I'm not anybody. How do you know me? And Harrison had seen me, Harrison, he hides it well. He's a Harvard graduate. And he had seen me speak at Harvard just a couple of years before I had given one of those speeches you were talking about. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about at all. <laughs> what are you holding there? Oh, right. <laughs> so that was it. I, you know, it's a weird thing to see a show and then meet the star of the show and then find out he's excited to see you there. So that was it. And then two shows later, I go to a free show and this time the comedians are naked. That's it's right. A night of naked comedians. And oh, here's here's Harrison again,
0: naked. And it's like, well, I know I'm very well now. Harrison, you were part of that show? Well, yeah, so what happened was, and, and one of the things that I love about bringing Mike in is when I first met, when we first really got to hang, which was at like at Sam 2020, was when I think we really got to like hang out with each other. Our first bond was over our mutual love of Mike Reese. I was like, you yeah. know, Mike? And he's like, I know Mike. I'm like, we love this man. Um, and Mike has always been incredibly supportive. Um, he saw me do a couple of shows, and then I'd reach out. There's like a way you can get in touch with alumni where they get the email, and if they, if they respond back, you can see what their email is. So they don't have to uh, respond back. Um, but I wrote to Mike saying, I'm a huge fan. I would love to just pick your brain and find out, you know, how did how you know, you're one of my role models. Uh, and he agreed. And in between him agreeing and uh, and me sending that email uh, and that actual meeting, uh, I had scheduled the naked comedy show where you have to come out naked. I thought it'd be the scariest thing I could possibly do. Uh, and I was willing to do stage time wherever I could get it. So I walk out and front row is Mike and his very wonderful wife. <laughs> I just remember looking like staring like this, like. Oh no! And then we had our meeting like a week or two later, and I was like, "Well, I got nothing to hide." <laughs> yeah, so,
1: Mike Harris and I re- recently met. We haven't we. I've obviously known who Harrison is for a long, long time, and but we just never really ran into each other like that much and had a real solid conversation. So we just did something, and then your your name came up, and that was I, I actually I knew knew it because right. Harris the show. David told me that you guys knew each other. So, you know, that was an amazing thing to have. Oh my God, this guy knows Mike, this guy's this. And then I meet Harrison and he's just like me in a way because he doesn't have much of a filter.
0: Yes, we're both uh, very broken.
1: (laughs) Yes, we are very broken people.
0: I think that's the connection, the connected tissue between all comedy, all three squares of this Hollywood square right now is we all had weird childhoods.
1: Right, exactly, exactly. And, you know, and and then we, uh, you know, Harrison just talked about it briefly, but oh my God, Mike, we... I'll get the I'll get a text with a joke, just a joke from from Harrison, like at one or two in the morning. I'm like, oh okay, and if I'm awake, it just becomes this hour long, yeah, crazy. See, I
0: come podcast. with a joke that is too dark for me to share with anybody else. I know that Chris is the one that I have to send it to. Yeah,
2: I'm
0: um, well, Mike, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, You're in New York City, right?
2: I am in New York City. I'm. I am here at the epicenter and uh, oh. so far so good. I, I'm uh, really enjoying the end of the
0: world so far.
1: Oh, that's great. I, yeah, you got a front row seat. I'm just watching it on TV.
2: But.
0: Well, Mike, they want to follow you on Twitter. Uh, it's Mike Reese writer. Are you also on Instagram? I think
2: I no, just Mike Reese writer. And uh, uh, I always say, I give you, I don't advertise anything. I don't show you a photo of my lunch. I, uh, I just give you one good joke a day, like the Jimmy Fallon show. So,
0: oh, <laughs> that's my favorite, my favorite thing is because you repeat that once in a while, and every time it it somehow gets funnier, every time that Fallon tweet goes out. Yes. Yeah. People
2: like that more and more. I guess they hate Jimmy more and more. I guess <laughs> I give Jimmy a pass,
0: uncomplimentary pass. So, <laughs> oh, my God. Mike, thank you so much for joining us. I really, really appreciate it. Thanks, Mike. Uh, oh my uh, God, can't wait no to
1: see you again when this whole thing's over.
2: All uh, right, yes, I'm really looking forward to it. I miss, I miss you guys. I miss all you guys. I miss but, you too. Uh, great to see you, Chris. Uh, oh we'll, God, see you in- we'll see you soon. We'll see you soon.
0: Yeah, I'm I working on a on a show for the National Lampoon called Slighted. That has, that is a magic theme. So hopefully. Uh, that will be coming out sooner rather than later. But Mike Reese, everybody, follow him at Mike Reese Writer. His book is Springfield Confidential. It's awesome. That was your surprise guest, Chris, huh? Did I get you? That's awesome, and he is hysterical. He's a, one of the funniest people ever, and and He's super, super nice. nice. Super nice, yeah. People are saying this is very cool. Alexander saying such a cool talk. Robert Ramirez saying I keep trying to pitch naked magic shows at Kenner's house. To which Nikki responded, "No." I love
1: Robert. Roberts. So Robert Ramirez. I met. He was. I didn't see him do magic first. He was performing in the Frozen show.
0: Ah. By the way, there's been some oh. commenting a lot. Somebody said Harrison, this is great. Thanks so much. His name is Fiddlin' Johnny, which makes me very uncomfortable.
1: Ah, Fiddlin' Johnny. Sorry. Back
0: to Robert. You're fiddling with.
1: Um. <laughs> exactly. So R- Robert. Robert was in the. Uh, he's. He's. And here's, here's, what, here's what everyone can learn from Robert Ramirez, and in a big way. If you don't know Robert and you've never seen Robert, Robert is an actor also, and a very good actor. He is funny. He is. He can be dramatic. He can be goofy, silly, and he knows when to turn it off, when to turn it on. He knows how to put a toss up. He knows how to break the fourth wall kind of in a way, which is really weird when he was – because he did this – it's like the movie Frozen in 20 minutes and a play in Disneyland. And I saw it many times. Yeah, there you go. Frozen at the Fantasy Fair. It's gone now. I don't think it's there anymore. But he was in it and he was great. It was like a one-man show. Him and, but it was like there were a few people in it. But he was like the, the lead. And great. So I got to know him through that first. And then I saw him do magic. And I realized that his acting chops helped his magic in a gigantic way. And he's a, he's a really good performer. He's funny. And he, he does a show. I think he did a show in L.A. for a while, which I did not see. But I'm sure it was good. Because anything I've seen him do is smart, thought through, and obviously well done because he's an actor. And he's not just like, when I say an actor, he's he's like an actor, comedian, slash so really jack of all trades. It's great.
0: Yeah, we had a really fun brainstorming session. It was my last day in LA on my last trip, and we all got together. And we it, it involved a plastic uh, phallus that I don't know if I can describe on an IBM show, but uh, I'll tell you about it later. It was uh, It was like a smash and stab, but way, way worse.
1: You know, and Robert also th- thinks really outside of the box pretty well. You know, there's not a lot of that. There's not, there's not a lot of that out there. You know, Magic's a – Well, know.
0: I'll tell you, there, I, there's uh, this thing that I, I heard about from – so I had a friend who played, like, guitar songs, like guitar, comedy songs. And when he was coming up with rhymes, he always talked to me about, like, the third level. So he would say, you know, if I'm saying I'm going to go to the walls – the the next laugh can't be balls, because that's so obvious. That's the first funny word to rhyme with walls. So you always try to find the third step, the third level. Um, And there's other comedians. Anthony Jeselnik also talks about the third level. So there's the joke that anybody can expect. There's the joke that somebody who's an expert at it would kind of predict. That's the second level. And then a joke that would even surprise the comedy experts or other comedians in the room. And I feel like the stuff that you're doing and the stuff you're doing with David is all very third level, where even the magicians in the back of the room are like, did not see that coming.
1: Yeah, which is, uh, again, that gets back to me talking about my thing here at the house is that it couldn't just be okay, even though I could easily make it okay. And I could have a really, I could take this show I want to do in the, in the the whole thread and make it work right now. I could do it tomorrow. But method methodology-wise and certain things in the thing, just, I didn't like it yet. And I don't want it to be just right. And at some point I'm either going to have to give up on a few things or change them. So I, I get that at least, but yeah, we, I definitely, we try to surprise people with something that they didn't expect at all. And that, and I do understand that when I, when somebody says something and I immediately think of a joke, like they say a line that's really just, they're naturally setting up a joke. You don't want to say the first thing that comes to your mind. Exactly. Cause it's, it's, it's just, it's going to be too obvious. And I'll tell you who does that really well is my wife. She is like, my. she's very funny. She also does some public speaking and she's funny. So she's tough to keep up with.
0: Yeah. There's Nicole. Um, I think you also sent me that picture as well.
1: <laughs> yes, I did. I couldn't get the, we got married in the little chapel of the West by ourselves. And um, I, I, I couldn't get the ring on her. <laughs> that was re- I, I didn't know if that was posed or not. That's actually happening. No. And I actually did that. I'm like, cause that's me. I'm like an idiot. i am never, I'm not, I mean, you know, I don't try to not be goofy. So, you know, she loved it and it was funny. It was fun. So uh, she were, she said that's one of her favorite photos of our entire wedding.
0: Oh no, I love that one. That, that I picked it on purpose. He sent me this one as well, which was weird. And, well, uh, <laughs> that's what we go all the time. Well, that was just to say we go to Hawaii all the time. That no, you know great. what? You know why I love this picture? Is because I can picture you taking it and being very happy.
1: Oh, yes. Absolutely. I'm 100% happy. And we I know right where that is um, in Maui. I know exactly the spot that
0: that is that that was taken. This feels like if I had to do a Chris Kenner happy place, this is the Chris Kenner happy place.
1: Yeah, Hawaii is always my happy place for sure. I love Maui. We stay the Four Seasons and we walk this beach area all the time. and. It's just fantastic. And also, uh, speaking
0: of happy places, who is um, that one?
1: That's Zoe. Oh, my God. She's the greatest. And I haven't really seen her much. In- oh, no, I was talking
0: about the dog. I don't care about the kid. Oh, that's Elizabeth. That's Lizard. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh,
1: and then Zoe a little tail. There's a little tail in the corner. The little tail in the corner is Steven. That's the other <laughs> guy. Um. So, yeah, that's Zoe. She's 10. She's, man, she, I swear she's 15, but. Um, I haven't seen her much with this quarantine because, like her mom, Katie has lupus, and oh, um, Nicole has um, a, an autoimmune issue. So I don't want to get. I don't. I'm seeing people. I'm going out and working with people. So I don't want to give anybody anything. I don't think I have anything. Or I'm really safe. I'm really safe. I'm really careful about what I do. But um, you know, I I talk to her online. I Facetime her and you know text her which is kind of a bummer, because she's you know like she's five miles away, but- Right. But it is it's what it is. It's probably uh, the smartest thing. Sorry, what was that? You know, it is it is what it is. It's the safest and smartest thing to-
0: Oh, no, absolutely. But do you think, uh, that she, is she taking after you in terms of the creativity? Does she do art stuff?
1: She's funny. Um, she's definitely goofy. She makes the same faces I make. Like she'll make a face and it'll be like, oh God, that's, that's I make that face. <laughs> um, and she's, you know, she's she knows how to craft a joke. She's, she's like she'll say it, she'll say something, and she'll she'll do it right. You know, she'll have the she'll have the buildup and the punchline. I don't mean like a hey, these two guys are walking down the street. You know, I mean a story type joke where she's talking and then there's a punchline that she has thought about prior to starting the conversation. So it's pretty good. It's pretty amazing for a ten year old. she's to be that for a while. It's
0: to be the greatest feeling to have a kid that's legitimately funny, not just like joke oh. funny.
1: Yeah, she's definitely she's definitely funny. And the other thing is, if I tell her she's funny, or I tell her that joke was funny, I'll hear that same
0: joke ten more times. Well, that's then she's a proud. That's how you know she's a professional.
1: And then she'll try to tell jokes. Like when you you tell her she's funny, we we kind of give her trouble for this. She was telling a joke sometime, and she we were. It, it, she says this non sequitur, nothing. This joke, she says, why the we was Halloweenish, and she goes, why the ghost go through the drive through? And I'm we're like, I'm, I'm like. What are you talking about I thought this is some standard joke that some kid told her and she goes to drive through <laughs> It's not that's funny, perfect it's
0: funny. Logic. that's perfect
1: but it's it still was it still had the right thing so that has been the joke we go to all the time to tell her you know whenever she's trying to be funny we're like, hey, why did the ghost go through the drive through? she's like, shut up <laughs> <laughs>
0: I accidentally shut up an Uber driver. I was, I was getting picked up from a corporate gig and they were driving me all the way back to Manhattan from Connecticut. And the guy was like, uh, what, do you, what do you do for a living? And I was like, oh, I'm a comedian, which was the worst thing because now, now I have to perform for him for two hours. And oh my he, god! he goes, give me a joke. And I forgot. <laughs> I, I wasn't thinking, I was just thinking in comedian brain. So I, I, my favorite street joke, because I don't do many, um, is I go, how do you make a plumber cry? Do you know this one? How do you make a plumber cry? I don't. Murder his family. And that was the whole joke. And then he literally did not say a word for like an hour and a half, two hours for the rest of the entire car ride. Cause he was just like, I don't know what to do with this serial killer in the back. But that, so that ended up making the joke even funnier to me.
1: Well, actually now the, now the joke has a story. So that's what's great too. Exactly. You
0: know, which is another point. Um,
1: you know, we you you mentioned this in your little lecture and I, something I I think magicians should try um, and Nick Defat and I talk about this all the time and that is to have, you know, at least 10 minutes of material with nothing.
0: Yes. Yeah. You don't need a safety net. You can actually just, the, the one of the first times I ever did stand up, I was shoving sponge balls in my pocket, in my back pocket and a comedian goes, what are you doing? And I was like, oh, it's a magic trick. This way, if the jokes don't work, I have, you know, this is going to be the finale. People love it. And he was like, get that out of your pocket. He said it using more dirty words, but he's like, get, get it out of your pocket. Uh, if you have that in the back, you'll never get good at stand up." And literally, and he was right, because not having a safety net, knowing that only the only way to get through that set was to be funny with my words, creates like a fight or flight response that makes you a better performer.
1: Yeah, there's nothing about,
0: there's nothing like you and Mike, and that's it. Nothing. Thank you. Mike definitely belongs in that category. I appreciate that. Uh, By the way, uh, I think I've done some good for you, because somebody has already tried to forward your script to somebody. (laughs) Uh, let me see if I can find this comment. There's so many people watching, by the way, that my comment thing is flying, um, which is awesome. Um, there is uh, a comment that from, let's see if I can find him. Somebody said that he can forward your script to the producer of Starface. Scarface, that was the comment. So that's pretty exciting.
1: Well, I can get, you know, I mean, I, don't, I know enough people.
0: <laughs> I imagine. No, I like. you know what? I think it's cute that, that somebody's trying to help. I no, like
1: no, it. No I, no, I appreciate it. Hey, try to tell you. <laughs> you never know. So it's not a it's not a well I know these people. <laughs> Cause if I if hey if that was really so star spangled true Oh have, here you go. Yeah, I'd have a movie.
0: Doug Smith Knight. He he's a fun, fun I old man. Doug. I know Doug. Yeah, he wants to get so there you go. Where you're I get ten percent. He was just at the warehouse. Oh, that's amazing. I
1: he has a tattoo of David.
0: Really? Huh? Have, have there been some weird tattoos?
1: Hmm. David, there's some people with Copperfield tattoos. I, oh,
0: I yeah. mean, at a certain level of fame, there's going to be people who get tattoos. And oh. I think the question is, uh, what photo and where on the body?
1: Well, the be- All of them are on their arm, I think. Um, there's a guy named, uh, oh, my God, Chris Gaston. Starts with a G. Really nice guy. He's got a... Yeah, yeah. I'll look it up. I I'll, i send you the, you know, big
0: always, I guess. Anytime when people always are like, Oh, I can't think of it. And I, I, and I, and if I just don't know, I guess we'll be Goldberg, no matter how appropriate or inappropriate that. Oh, is.
1: You know, I have that, I have those things. No, I have those things too. It's just like my big half the time I, it was, something goes on. I should say again, again, <laughs> you know, whenever somebody says, you know, oh, I just said that da, 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 da. again, you know, <laughs> another one is, uh, uh, I call that a Tuesday. <laughs> no matter what it is, oh, I call that a, you know, did you see so and so bit the head off a chicken? I call that a Tuesday. You know, it's just my running gag in my life, just for me half the time. Like, I'll say it, I'll chuck it inside going, if they would have heard the last 200 of these, they'd be laughing now.
0: <laughs> I, the funniest thing was so, Mike is the reason I know about the actual origin of the rake bit with a K, R A K E. Uh, Any bit where you do it over and over again and it gets funnier and funnier, then it dips because you're doing it, you're repeating it over and over again. And then it starts getting funny again because, like, oh my God, I can't believe they're still doing it. Right. It's like, yeah. And it's in The Simpsons where he steps on the rake over and over again. And it turns out that their episode was just short time. And so they just ran the footage twice so they didn't have to make new animation. So it was an accidental discovery of genius. It's like the bird is the word on uh, The Family Guy. Yes, exactly, exactly. Yeah, they they took the rake bit and they rake bit raked it to death.
1: Yeah, I've never heard it called the rake, but yeah, I know that that idea. You know that comedy idea. And there's another interesting. You know, we're talking about magic and comedy. We we this is one thing we should be talking about more with all these people. Is it's not that hard to interject it in there. Right. <laughs> yeah. You have to. Well, you have to have to try. People don't want to try, and they're afraid of their own. Uh, You know, you, I have a very similar story to the SpongeBob story. So in the, uh, you know, I'm old. So late seventies, early eighties. Oh my God, my accountant is calling me. Uh, (laughs) uh, In the late seventies, early eighties, I did Rocky Raccoon like everybody else. And this was before David Williamson did it. This was kind of before that. He, he, I'm, he was doing it, but more serious, just selling it at the, where he was, where he was um, working, and Jeff Justice was the guy that I saw do it. So Jeff Justice was the first guy I ever saw perform it. He did it at comedy clubs. So of course I had to come up with my own version of that with a little tiny twist to it and make it my own. It was really, you know how that goes.
0: Yeah, I it take, was a live. It was a live
1: raccoon. Right. Well, no, it was but the little twist, about the spring. What I'm getting at is the little twist wasn't that. Who cared? It Wasn't that? It's all the same. Right. They, the same damn thing. Um, so I did Rocky, I did Rocky, I did Rocky, and it works always. Kills, I did, if I did any, it would always be, always good. I could do any hard stuff, I end with that, It'll always be good, and I, I started doing it when I started working at Illusions, and I knew I had to do more than just close up, I did Rocky in that part, and I only did it that, didn't do it that often, and one day I just said, you know what, I'm not going to do this anymore ever. Yeah, exactly. It was so hard. It's super hard. I was addicted to the, uh, the, the, the the success of it working.
0: Yeah, it's super easy to buy a trick and then live off the applause that somebody else earned for you.
1: You know, a magician did a, a very good magician one time. Um, and this has happened more than once. So if the person hears me say this and thinks I'm talking about him, it's more, more than one person, has asked me my opinion of their show. And one person... <laughs> One person I was like, and I'm I'm not a, the best person to ask because I'm pretty truthful, so I might be harder harsher than you
0: would want to hear. So, oh, you don't have any of those good ones, like oh, that was interesting.
1: No, I kind of yeah. I, well, if I it depends on how deep I want to go and and how much they really want to know. That's So great. I thought the show was good. The magic was good. The guy's super talented. Uh, the magic tricks are all good. A couple of the tricks were, you know, just kind of store body, but at the same time. He was good, 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 good tricks. And I said, you know, your presentation is very sophomoric. It's like you because you say when I'm finished with this effect, when I turn this card over and it's your card, you will all stand up on your, you know, that kind of like telling the audience they need to applaud or that they need to. And I just don't like that. I never liked that. You know, if if you're doing it as a gag or you're doing it as a bit, it's one thing. But, you know, you know, you remember that card was down there. When I turn that over, you're going to clap your hands together. It, it just,
0: uh, yeah,
1: it's not real. A real, you know, a real performer would look at that and go, ugh. Right. You don't need it. And then his answer was interesting. His answer was, you don't know what it's like. You're not out there. Like, I'm not. And I'm like, dude, don't take this the wrong way. But I'm pretty sure I've probably done more shows than you yeah. Times 20.
0: Right. 100%.
1: And, you know, I'm. He didn't change a thing in his act. And I, I didn't expect it to because I don't expect my opinion. My opinion is just my opinion. And it doesn't mean it's right. It doesn't mean it's wrong. It just doesn't. It's just, it is what it is. And, you know, if you can learn from it, you learn from it through what you want to learn, not through my being smarter. Just if you go, oh, that's a good insight, I'll take that. Versus. I don't think I'm right. I, there's too many people in magic that tell you they're right, and that's a that's a right. problem, a big problem. Yeah. And I people just took it as, hey, here's my and I that I I you know I kind of wholeheartedly believe, but you know I get it if you're going to do I get it if you want to try do it continue to do that
0: do it if you want to continue to
1: perform like that you know I'm not going to think you're stupid for that
0: just that's yeah. a choice. No, I, I appreciate you sharing that story about my camera's act. And I, um, no kidding. We both not, love No, I've not seen Mike's act. Oh, you know he's he's a funny dude, and and doing the oh,
1: roast with him was amazing. Was great on on on. Uh, he was funny on the roast. He was, you know, it was it was the first time I really seen him talk like into people. So it was good. It was nice wow. to, see him, you know. And he's funny on he's funny on Facebook, and you know he's a, he's a nice. Every time I've ever talked to him in person, I I know him you know well enough. He's
0: he's a very nice guy. Oh yeah, no. I picked him for that joke because I knew he uh, he would he would enjoy it. Yeah, Um, he would. Yeah. Yeah. We're entering into the home stretch. We have about fifteen minutes uh, to go. So uh, if you have questions for Chris, please put them in the comments, uh, either by Instagram, YouTube, or Facebook. Um, You can follow Chris on Twitter and Instagram. It's the same handle. It's at Chris Kenner. This is presented by the International Brotherhood of Magicians, the IBM. Uh, That is magician.org/slash join the IBM/slash join. And uh, my Twitter and Instagram. Is at Harrison Comedy. Uh, This is streaming on Instagram Live, at Harrison Comedy, um, as well as on my Facebook page, so you can uh, check it out there as well. Uh, If you have any questions, please put it on the side. Uh, And uh, one of the things, by the way, that I wanted to ask you about, because I do have a a, a fun photo of it, that's you doing uh, three fly.
1: Yes, that's that's actually from the Magic Man Examiner notes. When When we were doing the Magic Man Examiner, that's the photograph that we did to do the drawing.
0: That's amazing. And yeah. I like that it, it clearly was printed out and then scanned. I can see the, the telltale highlights. Oh, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, it wasn't even scanned. That was printed out and,
0: like, I think I took a picture with my phone. And you not only did you invent Three Fly, but you also invented Sybil. And so are essentially the, the godfather of cardistry. Now that you're publicly on an interview like this, would you like to apologize to all of us? <laughs>
1: yes. No, you know, I'll tell you what. I don't want to take. I never like taking credit for that ever. It it gets people say it, and it's nice. But I look at. It's really more. You know, these kids have taken it to a level. Unbelievable, you know. I can't. I can't. I and you. And they make it look so easy. It's just so. You know, I when I I met Dan and Dave. They really, they really changed me. I had met, When I met them, I hadn't seen anybody do anything like that, that cardistry style. They didn't even have the name cardistry. And I can't remember what year this was. It was a long time ago, that's for sure. And I re- restarted playing with cards again a different way. So they, they got my, my, my love. Playing card copy, okay. Sorry, I just read an email that came in. Oh. That, I mean, my my account oh, heart time. stopped.
0: My heart stopped. I was like, oh, no. This is... it." We're, no. I'm prepared I am This is Difficulty. Oh. Um, yeah, where was I at? Uh, we're talking we're about like, Dan and Dave. Oh, Dan and Dave. And did you know yeah, that... I mean, you Dan and Dave. Made like, oh, sorry. <laughs> Dan and Dave made me rethink
1: how to hold a deck of cards and how to have fun again with a deck of cards. And, I can't thank them enough for that. It was, you know, I, it's, it's fantastic. And I, I can't keep up obviously. Cause I, I don't have the time. Uh, I probably don't really have this, that kind of skill. I'm a natural sleight of hand artist guy. So I'm, I still like flourishes and, you know, cardistry style stuff. And I just pick and choose the things that fit me that I can kind of do and that aren't crazy hard, but they're still hard. Right. Uh, Man, I'll tell you, these guys, they've taken it to a level that's unbelievable. And then I see, uh, and as part of, you see them doing, trying to do magic, not trying, they do it. And when those guys do it, you look at Chris Brown do a magic trick, or you see Shin, you know, they are in another another level. Shin has done some tricks on TV that have skill levels of crazy town.
0: Yeah, and he's not even thinking about it. I've seen, I've. I've seen him practicing some of that stuff. Uh, We were at a bachelor party together and it was, it it was maddening how he was, I'm just working on this thing. I love when people do that. I'm just working on this thing. And then they do the most difficult thing imaginable.
1: And they're there, you know, and I'll tell you what's, what's a drag. You know, I'm some people, my age, uh, I hear them say, Oh, you know, that's those guys. They just learn on the internet and they learn, they learn from each other and they, they didn't learn the way we did. You know, you can't punish someone for the tools that they have. Mm. You cannot punish these kids because they have the internet and they can talk to each other and that they can look online. And you know what? When I was a kid, VHS tapes started happening, and people were pissed that you didn't learn from a book.
0: Right. Remember when Easy to Master Card Magic came out, and people were mad that they were that he was doing the work for you and finding the best tricks in each book?
1: Yes. It's it's it's, it's the same thing we got then, and they're getting the, they're getting it now, and it's just really. It's not fair to these young guys and i'll tell you what with these young guys being more of them and organized they are gonna they are starting to have their own conventions their own stuff and who are they leaving out
0: old people right <laughs> and yeah. at 33 i'm considered an old person in cardistry
1: oh yeah yeah and it's and, you know and it and i think that's sad that it's happening but unfortunately that's happening you know somebody asked
0: a question on that topic he said do you flourish when you do card tricks some people think it will distract from the effect. Do you think you can combine the two or do course, you want to kill yeah. that kind
1: of skill? You can do whatever you want? You can do whatever you want. If you're funny or if you're serious, you might not do it. If you're goofy, you can get away with it. If you're, if you want to show the skill to show that you actually have skill and that's part of what your performance style is, that's fine. All of that works. You can do anything. I don't think it's bad. People that tell you it's bad probably can't do anything.
0: Yeah. We got a comment from Keith O'Brien who said, I've known Chris for a few years now, always a great and thoughtful guy, proud to have him as a friend. Not a question, but very nice nonetheless. Um, and Warren uh, asked a question that a couple of people were asking in different ways. Uh, when would you put out more material, not just tricks, but even thinking a little touches from a thinker that helps make us all better and stops us from going down rabbit holes? Is um, there a plan for a book or a DVD?
1: You know, I, I, uh, 10 years ago, and it's really weird to think it's been 10 years. I think it's been 10 years. I started learning, reteaching myself almost everything I could do left-handed. So I'm right-handed. I, I'm, I'm kind of ambidextrous. I write left-handed, and I do everything right-handed. like a, I do a magic trick like a right-handed person. So I started learning how to, you know, you know just spe- spreading the cards from one hand to another. In the other hand, it sounds so simple, you know, it sounds easy, but it's, it's not the easiest thing to do completely without thinking. Just not thinking at all, and that alone took a long time to get to be super yeah. comfortable. And and then and once I did you know that, was I, the reason I,
0: behind it. I mean, obviously, it it will help if you ever break your right arm.
1: Well, no, but it's it it's just, it, it's, <laughs> it's it just it can, There's moves you can do that you couldn't do, and I do a bunch. No, I mean, of- I'm
0: a lefty, so I have to anything involving a spread is always an issue because that's that's what I get.
1: Right, right, right. So I do, I do a bunch of reverse spread stuff where you keep changing the direction of the spread. And it, makes, it changed my whole idea on controls. And, and that's something that I definitely at some point would put out. And I wasn't going to even talk about it or tip it after I'd worked on it for years. And then I realized, uh, I don't care, show it. Because 99% of the people will not take the time to do it right. Because it's the kind of thing you can explain to somebody and they can do it immediately. Just not well.
0: So- right. I don't they think they're gonna put out a book where you have to be almost ambidextrous, which is interesting.
1: Yeah, and, and and I wouldn't I would probably do it more of a you know of a video kind of thing. You know, my friend of mine, Chris Korn, m- mentioned uh we have a Chris and I have a mutual friend. Uh his name is Al Stanger. And Al is a very crazy, he's a mathematical like wizard, genius. Now he was doing when I was a kid, he was doing some memorized deck stuff. Now, this is before Juan Tom Rez. this is before anybody, I'd ever seen any real memorized deck stuff, other than like this kind of style stuff. But he his first deck he memorized, he just took a deck, shuffled it a bunch, spread it out, and that was his order. That was what he used. And he was also, he was like a he went to was a mathematician. So he would do these crazy, crazy mathematical card tricks that are more amazing than the things now. And he was also just like this really, he still is alive. I mean, he's just really unusual character. And I'm mentioning him because he is what's in, what I think is important about a person that understood who he was and what he could do with magic. He knew what he had in his abilities and he used those. So a lot of people have certain abilities they don't use because they just buy the trick and do it like that. And they're right. not putting their real daily life into it because everybody's a, you know, everybody's great at something. You know, you can bring that into your world. And Matt and he was, his his he was very weird because he, he was also a fantastic juggler, and a lot of that came from his math. Believe it or not, he would he could he would pin juggle like five or six pins before everybody was juggling like this. He's always been ahead of the curve. It, I bet you, I guarantee, any um, mnemonic trick he's doing right now is light years ahead of anybody. So awesome. there's a lot of people out there like that. And, you know, I, I don't know why I'm bringing Al up, but when Chris Chris kind of texted me, mentioned that, and I thought, you know, Al's a fantastic example of someone that just ran with himself. And he's just a great, great guy. Great guy.
0: Another question. Uh, this one comes from me. Uh, what is going on in these photos? Oh, man.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so... when. <laughs>
0: It's a very scary clown. Okay, so both of those pictures were
1: taken in Atlantic City at Caesars. So during the show, um, we David bought a trick from Mark Kornhauser called <laughs> Binky the Clown. <laughs> and the idea was that the magician, who would be David, was scared of clowns, and he wanted to get over his fear of clowns on stage. So a clown came out, did some goofy clown stuff, And then got in this chair, and this this chair. And then he put this thing on the top of his head and just squished his head. That was it. And then got over his fear of. And then he brought him back to life. Brought him back. That was
0: murder the clown to get over his fear of clowns.
1: So (laughs) when he first did it, you know, I think I don't remember if I jokingly said I'll play Binky to practice it, or it'd be (laughs) fun if I come up with some jokes. I'll come up with some gags. So I did. I did this and. I had to put real makeup on, so it was a pain, but it was really fun to do, and why it was fun was I had a squeaker in my mouth, and I got really good at talking with that squeaker. (laughs) You couldn't really understand it, but you knew what I was saying, so David and I would have a full-on conversation that was not scripted almost every night. We would just, (laughs) I would come out. We had the 10 jokes that worked, and I would try stuff, and he would make fun of me, and he would it, it, it was very fun to do, but it got old fast. The makeup got old fast.
0: Well, those who are watching, uh, the one on the left is a clown and the one on the right is a carrot top, I think.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. It's, oh my God, that's Scott,
0: right. <laughs> uh, and uh, we. by the way, uh, Jason said, Al is great. Uh, Chris Corn said, thank you, Chris. Uh, Nick said, oh God, oh my God, the gold chain. Yeah. Uh, and somebody actually said, uh, you may get this a lot, but is that the real Millennium Falcon behind you?
1: No. You that no. Size. no, that was uh, that was at Toys R Us. Um, that Toys R Us, they, during one of the movies, they had – how I got that's crazy. So I, I looked for those online for a long time. They're, it's pretty big. It's like six foot, five and a half feet wide or six feet. So I knew they existed, and there was probably a hundred of them that were made. Maybe more. I don't know. We'll call it a hundred. I don't really know. Uh, I think it's numbered uh, somewhere. But uh, I looked online and they'd be like five, eight, ten thousand dollars and they'd be have to ship it. It's big, hard to ship. Yeah. any the ass.
0: My so, suggestion would be wear this clown costume to Toys R Us and then they, you will empty the store immediately and then you can <laughs> have whatever you want.
1: That's actually what I wear for social distancing. <laughs> <laughs> That was fantastic. That was my three one step away further joke. Um, <laughs> so so they, they had those. They had they were couldn't find one. I stopped looking, and then one day I, I I looked and I found one, and it was in in Vegas, and it wasn't that far from the house. So guy had a big Star Wars collection, and I found it, and he just I just drove down the street, looked at it, had it. It was cheap. I gave it to money and took it.
0: That's fantastic.
1: I would never thought I was going to get one. I'm like, I'll never find one. Never. And then, just got lucky.
0: And while we're we're in the home stretch, but since we're talking about the stuff that's behind you. I know, I think you're on a laptop. I Is there am. any chance we can get a little sneak peek of the uh, some of the other stuff that might be lurking in this this house of mystery?
1: Oh, I'm in the basement, so the basement's kind of a fun the fun fun to- fun house here.
0: Um, let's see. And you're all bravely blind because Every year for Magic Live for many years, you allowed a bunch of magicians into this home full of valuable things and uh, you let them drink alcohol and be magicians around all this stuff.
1: You know, I had it, it was fun. I haven't done I didn't do it last year, and I'm not sure. Last year was like the year of the party, so it was a bunch of parties at Magic Live. Um, and we'll see, there's not one, no Magic Live this year, so we'll see. We'll see if I do it again. It just, we'll see. There have been a lot, so many people are doing parties now that's not so special, but you know. So my office, down here, I mean, in here I've got. Um, let's see, this is this is a you know, the mystery box, yeah, yeah. That JJ Abrams did a little talk about it. This is what JJ signed this to me. And are those his vacuum form things on top? Um, yes, oh, yeah, 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 that's his vacuum form. That's a bad robot. I 3D printed that, and then this is from David's house. That is awesome. Um that's a stuffed animal I used to carry around on the road. That's a long story. <laughs> <laughs> Does he have things in his nose? There's a bunch of, yeah, it's on a pedestal. There's a bunch of those stuffed <laughs> animals on the wall. Um, let's see. We got these guys.
0: I also like that on your, the wall that has the black stuff to the right of those uh, stormtrooper helmets. It just looks like your wall has been infected with coronavirus.
1: Where? Wait, wait. The oh. There's oh. a weird mass. Oh, oh, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I always, that's, that, this is where it started.
0: Let's see, more of these. Also, these are actually you lost over the Emmys. Those are, those are, those are pretty nice. Yeah, those things. Yeah. <laughs>
1: um, <laughs> the, these are uh, from this it's called the Vader Project. And different artists got these, each got a Vader helmet and they had to paint it. And they're kind of hard to find. Um, Glenn Farrington helped me find a couple and, and a couple of them just found me, but it's kind of cool. Okay. So in here, let's see, I'll come back to this. Oh, this is kind of cool. This was, it used to be in George Lucas's office. This, this uh, R2D2. Um, oh, somebody put George. Yeah, they were right. That's an R2D2. It's a bad R2D2. It's not a nice one. Um, we'll get back to this. This, I spend a lot of time down here when I come home. I unwind. I've got a home theater. That's a big
0: Jaws poster. Just so you know, I'm, I'm in 500 square feet under quarantine. So this is making me feel terrible.
1: I think, I think this is like 1,800 square feet or something, 1,500. Just the movie theater. Yeah. <laughs> that's a, a six-seat War of the Worlds. And then uh, another area to sit. And then Nicole's on the treadmill all the time. <laughs> so this is cool. This is the thing that a lot of people like.
0: in her own corner? Does she have her own uh, her own room? She's got,
1: she has a, a, a yoga studio upstairs. That she oh, has. nice. This is pretty nice, actually. So this is kind of cool. So it's hard to show this and look at it at the same time. So that's a poster on the wall from Dr. No. But that poster slides out of the way. And there's a little Batman
0: area in there. And is that where the, the magic man comes from? Because you had the you were Magic Man and the Magic Man examiner and is there is that connected to a love of superheroes?
1: No, actually, not really. It just kind of came about. That magic man thing is got to have to do with David
0: Williamson, also. So got now it.
1: this little room, it's like its own little room. This slides
0: away. Somebody said I'm loving this. By the way, he's calling it magician cribs. So this slides away,
1: and in here, that you can't see real well, but that is the idol from uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. And the whole thing lights up.
0: Has somebody ever replaced that idol with a sandbag?
1: Absolutely, they have.
0: Oh my God!
1: <laughs> so Somebody's getting out of Jones View. Actually, he's online right now. So, Jason England, I had another one of these, and Jason England, oh, one. Day I was in a tour of my house. I'm giving a tour of my house, and I'm going. <laughs> here's this. Here's that. Here's this. And I look down. I go. There's a bag of sand. I actually have the bag of sand here. <laughs> like this bag. Nice. So, I have the. I one day. I'm going to take, and he's going to walk out to get his car, and there's going to be a gigantic bag of sand. No, I think you should crush
0: his car with a giant boulder.
1: (laughs) That's actually even better.
0: Or have it just roll down a hill towards him. So we've got a frozen carbonite.
1: A bunch of fake guns. I'm not a gun guy, a real gun guy, but these are all like movie
0: guns. That's been well. You know what? If there's a zombie apocalypse uh, due to this coronavirus, you might be able to fend them off at least for a little while. Oh yeah, it's a phaser from Star Trek, James Bond stuff. That's amazing. Um, this
1: modesty. This was hard to find. Modesty Blaze. That's a, in pulp fiction. That's what um, Vincent Vega, uh, John Travolta's character was reading. It's really hard to find one in good shape with a dust jacket. Nice. Um then these are just
0: lightsabers. I have two. I have Jason England saying nice beaver and Chase saying, show us your beaver. And I assume they mean a literal beaver. Yeah, there's a beaver up oh, there. there he is. That's awesome. Is that from a movie or just a beaver? Yeah, it's from a, a naked gun. Ah, fantastic. My nice beaver just had it stuffed.
1: It's um, <laughs> random other stuff, you know. Disney. This is my Disney area. I love Disney. Oh, this is fantastic. This is from Waterboy. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, that's my yeah, nerd.
0: My said just lightsabers, no big deal. <laughs> right. You know, I'm a giant. And nerd. if you had to, if you had to describe your relationship with David uh, in Star Wars terms, how would you do it? Are you his Yoda? Is he? Who is he? Who? What would your Star Wars relationship be? I don't know. I'm Jar Jar Binks. Maybe um, <laughs> you beat me to it. I was literally I was setting you up for a Jar Jar. I know.
1: <laughs> I couldn't go with anything else. Um, <laughs> that was
0: perfect. I'm. T- Oop, you're frozen for a moment. Let's see if we'll get you back. Hopefully, it will. I oh, there like you go. You're back.
1: David would be like the whole Star Wars universe. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I don't know. He's just got he's so he's he's not just a person, he's a he's an icon. So it's like uh, it's an interesting thing because you know, thinking again, that's like you know, you talk about David, it's a he's an iconic person, an iconic thing. He's you know, when they say, Oh, you know, that he pulled the David Copperfield, that happens all the time on in yeah, movies and T V. He's and, a bird. Yeah, exactly. So they use him to describe things. So that's that's not a that's not a person. You know, it's, it's bigger, it's bigger, that whole, our whole universe is bigger. And now we have to, when you think about it, tricks and you think about effects, and you think about what he does in public and you think about what he does, how we present ourselves, all that has to come into play to think about it like that, so.
0: And maybe this will be my final question for you, but if, if Ken, being Kennard is a verb, what is uh, its definition?
1: Oh my God. Being Kennard is a verb, you got Kennard. I don't even know how to describe that. Um, you were,
0: I think being Kennard is, uh, is yeah. kind, it's, it's when somebody does something very kind with a dash of mischievousness. I think oh, that, that's, that's being Kennard. Mm, uh, okay.
1: Yeah. I would have said that, or like I said, you're, you, you told something you didn't want to hear.
0: <laughs> uh, All right. You've been kennered, That's good. I like that.
1: Yeah. Oh, I'll, I'll, you'll we'll, we'll use that.
0: Yeah. Somebody just said, Chris, you're never going to make it. Laughy face. Oh, that's and Janine.
1: Then, uh, Janine from um, um, George Morgan. Janine's from the MGM. She works at the MGM. I work with her all the time. Uh, oh, that's
2: awesome.
1: I say, I say, you're never going to make it. It's from one of my favorite movies. If you haven't seen the movie, go see it. Walk Hard: The Dewey Cox Story. It's just ridiculous silliness. Um,
0: oh, no, I love that one. See, Christian oh. said, Kennedy equals fried," which is pretty good. There you go. Uh, ben Emder said, or uh, each other. And Emily Zoltan Gillette said, love you both. That's very oh, nice. I love Emily. Uh, she's the best. Uh, and one more question would be, if there are young magicians watching, which I think there are actually a ton right now, what advice would you tell them from where you are? What, what kind of advice do you want to impart on these young magicians to make their act and maybe even their lives a little bit better?
1: Okay, well, number one, you know, I can go to the obvious stuff and say, you know, work hard but the, the, the thing about advice to a young person, coming from like say myself, is I grew up in a different era and I understand a different era. So for me to tell you what to do, I don't understand exactly how I would, you know, I look at Chris Ramsey and I'm so amazed at how great he's done with himself on YouTube. And then there's a lot of other people that have done this on, on, on that kind of a platform. And then they take that platform and they make it into multiple platforms. So I don't really understand that as well as these guys, you're gonna be able to figure it out yourselves but my advice in a way is just be different that's the key and be yourself at the same time it's and honestly I tell you what it sounds easy but it's not and you, you really have to work at it and be, dare to be dare to dare to make a mistake find a place to be bad
0: yeah yeah that's a, that's a very big one you had you had the illusions i had uh the basements of pizzeria shops and things all over new york um, but if, if if the quality of magic is based on being different, then you are you are clearly one of the exemplars of it. Chris, <laughs> thank you so much for doing this. Uh, a quick uh, thank you, by the way, to Mike Reese. Mike, thank yes. you so much. Oh, you my thank you Good so bad. much for joining Good. our special guest. This was really fun. Uh, we can follow Mike Reese at Mike Reese Writer. Uh, we can follow Chris Kenner at at Chris Kenner. Um, Chris, thank you so, so much for doing this. I can't thank you enough. Um, the comments have been saying uh people love you so much. Um uh, that is not by accident, that is because of all the kindness that you put out into the world. Uh actually Jen actually wrote, being kenned means he made his cousins happy when they were sad, which is probably the sweetest thing that oh. you can say there. Uh and everybody just giving you a lot of uh love and thanks. Um thank you so much, Chris. Uh Look forward to some more uh, crazy text messages from me, I'm sure, tonight and in the future. Where
1: we'll be tonight, I'm sure we'll have
0: (laughs) a lot. (laughs) Thank you so much, man. Thank you for letting us in your home, and uh, I will talk to you soon. You got it. Bye, everybody. Thanks. Chris Kenner, everybody. Oh, my God. What an incredible interview. Thank you so much to Chris. You can follow him on Twitter and on Instagram. It's the same. Uh, It's Chris Kenner at Chris Kenner. uh, And you can follow me at Harrison Comedy. We're doing this show. It's called Who Books That? We do it every Monday and Wednesday, 7 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. That means it's 4 p.m. if you're on the West Coast. Um, You can watch us every Monday, Wednesday, 7 p.m. or 4 p.m. depending which coast you're on. Uh, And Wednesday, 7 p.m., we have Michael Carbonero. He is going to be our our special guest on Wednesday's episode of Who Books That? And uh, a huge thanks, as always, to the International Brotherhood of Magicians who have really... uh, come out and help support magicians in this crazy time. If you would like to join them, magician.org, slash join the IBM slash join. The link is right down there. So if you're not a member already, please join. A huge thanks to Alexander and the whole organization for helping out. Uh, And thanks, of course, to all of you for making this possible. Uh, A huge thanks, Ken Weber saying, uh, clappy clappy. Sam saying, that was awesome. Stephen Levine saying, thanks guys. Uh, We have Chris Harper saying, thanks. We have, Uh, Rob saying Carbo. Yes, that is who was on Wednesday. Uh, Alan Garber saying on Passover, which is the most Jewish thing, but that makes sense. Love this Harrison. Uh, thanks to everybody. Thank you so much. Uh, and we'll see you next week. Take care, everybody.